Okay, hi, Jeff Cooper here with uh, Classic Christian Rock Radio. We're back with the Time Machine show once again, and we have members of the band Anthem with us today, and I'm going to ask them to tell you who who do we have with us. Well, so, Kent Vanderweide and Crystal Vanderweide here. Say hi, Chris. Well, hello. And I've picked up on it. You're married. <laughs> For a long time. Yeah. We'll be celebrating 37 this year. Jeff. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's good. That's good. And who else do we have, of course? Mike Manthai. Okay, great. So pick up wherever I ask a question and just um, uh, just answer whoever wants to answer. You can just go ahead. Just don't interrupt, interrupt each other. Uh, what's your musical backgrounds? There really isn't a whole lot of background as far as music is concerned. Um, although music took me to Oral Roberts University mm-hmm. back in, in 1979, I wanted to be a music major until I got to school and then realized I didn't want to be a music major. But uh, before that, most of my experience musically was, of course, in high school and piano lessons and band and jazz bands and things like that. And uh, and for Crystal, um, a lot of her experience was in high school as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I um, I was in a guitar class and my guitar teacher was a, a genius. He had played professionally um, with several mainstream groups um, and uh, they were they were secular mainstream groups. And he had told me as, as I took those classes, I want you to sing every note you play. Hmm. And, um, and then he said, you, you, you're, you should sing too. You should you should really work on on singing. I love to sing because I was singing all the time anyway, but just not professionally. And this is this happened when I was like 14 Um, at 15. um, I was doing more and more vocal uh, event type things and um, and then began to do, uh, you know, fifth quarters, weddings, um, you know, a variety of other things like that. And then that same guitar teacher was able to get a class approved uh, when I was a sophomore. He had enough uh, aspiring musicians to put together a credited high school class called Rock Ensemble. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a jazz band, but it was Mm -hmm. a rock band. And in doing so, he was able to guide us in what what all the ins and outs were of playing professionally and actually got gigs for this little band. Wow. And um, we played proms and, and played for some of the, the major sports events um, that went on um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, we were from a little school about 60 miles away from there um, called Cleveland High School. His name was Mr. Hanna, and I know he would love to hear his name on the radio, okay. so I can say that. You don't have to let him know. Jewel um, <laughs> Hanna is is a legend there. Yeah. And um, he literally took all of us through our um, senior class, and then the class ended because there really weren't any other people um, that were, you know, aspiring in that direction. But he still continued with his jazz band. But that really got me on the road to continuing on. And he would always say, do your passion. Yeah. We and all, we uh, all seem do to it have well. Some, yeah. Go ahead. No apologies. Do yeah. who? Do you. That's awesome. We all seem to have that one person in our life musically as well that we can look back at. Okay. And Mike, you, your musical background. 
Um, self-taught guitar. Mm-hmm. So I uh, and I was always interested in the uh, technical side of things as well. But uh, yeah, it was never in any band that you know we I'd get together with one or two other guys and try to start bands, and it just never went anywhere. And yeah. then uh, yeah. my my buddy uh, <clears throat> Denny Denny Nisley started Christ in Action. Yeah. In Manassas. Uh, he said, you ought to come with me to Tulsa. I'm, I'm going to work with uh, Jonathan Gainsborough down in Tulsa. And we're going to do street ministry. And if you're looking for a band, that's the place to go. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, you know, I might as well give it a shot. You know, yeah. I'm young and stupid and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's give it a shot. And sure yeah. enough, uh, that's how it got started. And mm-hmm. so uh, Anthem was my first real band. So, Let's hear a little bit about your spiritual stories, your testimonies, um, how you came to be Christians and, I guess, uh, choose Christian music, or did you do a bit of both? A lot of people, nothing wrong with just doing music. Yeah, well, I I was raised in a Christian home and was mm-hmm. in church from, the, from as early as I can remember, and uh, it, it was a denominational church, uh, rather conservative, known as the Christian Reformed Church. Mm-hmm. And so my exposure to music primarily was was church hymns done on the organ, and then my mom's favorite uh, group at the time was Doug Oldham and yeah. um, and the Gaither Trio. Yeah, and so those were literally the only albums we had around the house. Yeah, uh, but I found myself in the midst of the piano lessons realizing that boy, electric bass guitar sure looks like fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a group called Up With People, you may have heard yes. of them back in the 70s. Yeah. They came through, and I was all of 14 years old, and they mm-hmm. came through and played at the high school. And, boy, that's what I wanted to do was play electric bass. So I started teaching myself how to play that. My band director, uh, Warren Kirsch, he, he mm-hmm. totally said, hey, we have this old bass in the closet. Take it home. Do what you need to do. Learn it. And then I found myself playing in a band called Epitaph mm-hmm. uh, for for three years in high school and uh, and got a, a lot of a lot of playing time in during that time which just distressed my parents greatly and we had to agreement <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that if you're gonna if you're gonna play if you're gonna play at a club or a uh, or at a, at a dance on saturday night you have to be in this house by midnight mm-hmm. because you cannot be in that place on the lord's day oh. and so <laughs> i would i remember specifically walking in the door at eleven fifty nine <laughs> on a saturday night and my mother in her nighty was greeting me at the door yep. looking at her watch and realizing that i had made it just in time yeah. to follow the rules but it made it bad because the band had to keep playing for two hours without a bass player oh boy <laughs> that was hard to explain but by then particularly at some of the clubs they uh they weren't noticing who was in the band after after midnight anyway no. you know so uh, so it, it tended to work out but the, the funny thing was is, is mom put in an application for me to tour with the Continental Singers right back on. in 1978. My brother really wanted to do it, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> but mother mother sent uh, sent in for an application for me, so I said, that, okay, why not? So I, I, I played bass onto a cassette tape with the background of Boston's first album going on, and I just played mm-hmm. the Boston bass parts, <laughs> sent it in, and... and Next thing you know, I'm on a tour bus uh, the summer of 1978 with the Continental Singers heading uh, heading across the country and over to to uh, to Russia. So, it uh, you know it's it's funny how things happen, but God has a specific purpose and and a pathway I believe for each of our lives. And uh, but sometimes it it 
it might take your mother to help direct that. Yes. <laughs> That's what yes. I found in my That's, case. Yeah. That's what moms are for. <laughs> Oh, that's so that's so cool, Crystal. Did you have anything to add to that? No, I tell think, him how you, I think um, you said it all. <laughs> how did you meet the Lord, though, Crystal? How did you... uh, I was not raised in a Christian home, um, and uh, was raised uh, in an area where there were a, there was a church on every corner, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I wasn't an atheist by any means. I I I think I've always, if I were to really look inside i i've always believed in god and always believed in in and before i became a christian that oh just you know do the right thing you know do the right thing Mm -hmm. um but um i i came from a a a broken home and um at one point things were really really difficult um there was a quite a there was a a lot of abuse that went on with my mom. Um, she had some, uh, she was bipolar and mm. also dealt with uh, drug addiction, um, prescription drugs. And um, it was it was extremely difficult. And in my world, the animals were that unconditional. They were the yeah. consistent. Yeah. They, you know, you always knew where you stood yeah. uh, kind of thing. And at one point um, at, at a really bad point in in our lives my mom and i uh when i was a senior in high school uh had a friend who i was in the high i was in the bathroom um after track practice and she said have you ever just asked jesus to stand with you in and i really didn't talk to people at school about what was going on although it was a small town a lot of people knew um it was beyond my control what people could see um with my mom but Anyway, um, there's forgiveness there for my mom, just in case mm-hmm. there's ever any question. Yeah. Um, she has died. She died uh, 25 years ago, but mm. there's forgiveness there. And she did come to the Lord later. But um, I received the Lord that day. Uh, my, my friend Denise um, shared the gospel with me. She prayed with me. And then she said, and at the time my mother was in the hospital, and she said, um, maybe... Maybe um, you can go and, and um, share the gospel with her. And I did. And so my mom became a Christian um, soon after me. And um, I, I dedicated my music, my everything to, to the Lord. And my, my walk was not a religious one. It wasn't a church one. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, what I saw was so much, it being in the Bible Belt, um, yeah. A lot of people go to church because <clears throat> their family goes to church. Yeah. yeah. And they go in the building, and I'm not judgmental, but I was on the other end of some of this um, where, you know, okay, yeah, I go to church every Sunday, but what I do the rest of the week is my business. Yeah. Um, and how I treat people is my business. Um, so church was not something I wanted to be a part of. Hmm. I later realized, you know, that church is people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it so, is. Yeah. you know, we're all imperfect. <clears throat> yeah. And um, so the Lord really guided me <clears throat> through that um, and said, you know, I I have uh, extended my hand in your salvation and and grace to you and you will extend it out to others. And um, and so that was also part of that journey. <clears throat> and uh, being a part of a church is a very important thing. And 
we come together as believers and we worship together and we're imperfect together and we're graceful to each other and that's what it's supposed to be about um so anyway it's like that the old adage just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car that's right <laughs> um it's, it's like that too yeah, but yeah thank god i mean if, if you are in a church <clears throat> and you're not a christian well you're in the right place yeah yeah so that's awesome yep. that, yep. That's you might true. go to mcdonald's of twice a week but that doesn't <laughs> make you big mac <laughs> that's, what I, that's what i was going to say <laughs> I know. we've all heard that <laughs> one right hamburger yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh well um, so my background's a little more um yeah. just a little rougher i think but, that's terrific yeah. though i just uh praise the lord um yeah. how did you meet up and form anthem Obviously, you met up and got married. Uh, did that was that around the same time? Did you meet together? Were you friends? Did you live in the same city? Uh, how did Anthem get together? Well, it, it it goes back back to Earl Roberts University, yeah. which, uh, by the way, gold go Golden Eagles, way to go in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, hey. <laughs> stay on task here, Ken. Stay okay. on task. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, my ADD is kicking in here. It's all good. So, no, I. I I, I went to Oral Roberts and, and <clears throat> I found friendship with a number of other guys that had ended up at Oral Roberts and mm-hmm. and between the three of us we all convinced each other it sounded like a good idea to start a Christian rock band mm-hmm. and but as it started to gain gain a little bit of traction and speed we started writing some songs together and we realized we don't really have a rock guitar player in this band yet and one of our guys had stumbled upon this long-haired guy down at the Rainbow Zen Christian Coffee House <laughs> named Mike. There he is. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I meet Mike Manthai for the first time in September of 1980. And boy, was that cool, because if you're familiar with Oral Roberts at all, mm-hmm. there's a strict dress code on that, or there was in the oh, late yeah. 70s, a strict dress code where guys could not have hair mm-hmm. past, the, uh, past the top mm-hmm. of the ears or down to the collar. And uh, you had to wear a tie every time you went into the cafeteria or when you yeah. would go to class. And the girls were all in uh, in dresses, yeah. uh, same kind of a dress code. So for us to have a pet hippie to be able to show off to all these, uh, <laughs> all these straight Christian kids was like really fun. But uh, when Mike came into the band, it was kind of liberating. And, and we found ourselves with, boy, a whole different perspective on being able to uh, put this band together. And, uh, and, and ORU was actually a pretty great place because the music mm-hmm. department allowed us to use a place called Cardone Hall. Mm. And so for the first six months, we were able to just practice in there and, and, uh, and, work, out, and work out songs and put tapes together. And, 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 then, and then we were introduced to a woman named Mary Pinkley. And Mary uh, came into the band uh, as a singer, very soulful, um, strong, powerful voice. And uh, and she came in. She was uh, she was referred to us by uh, a Tulsa producer. His name was Eddie Everett. And uh, Mary was uh, came on board, and we wrote the the music and uh, for the the first album that we put out called yeah. Cutting Through, mm-hmm. which came out in 1981. Mm-hmm. By then, uh, those of us at ORU, there were three <clears> of us decided to completely quit ORU, which I might add made my parents extremely happy. When I <laughs> I would be leaving ORU after 18 months oh, and taking off on a Christian rock band. There you um, go. That'll make them happy. My, yeah, there you are. But anyway, uh, you know, that's 
that we felt like, hey, if we're going to be serious about this. We're going to we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And we quit school, moved in together. Mike moved in with us. And uh, and that was the foundation of Anthem. And mm. and and after being out of school, we realized, well, we need to look for another guitar player. We found another keyboard player. And that's kind of how the band came together originally. While all this is going on, Crystal is living in a little town called Osage, Oklahoma, uh, outside of Tulsa, and she's still in high school. So we hadn't met each other yet or mm -hmm. anything. We, I didn't know she existed. And, uh, and it wasn't until a couple of years after that where Mary decided to, to leave the band and we auditioned for a, a new vocalist that Crystal LaMasters was her name at the time, mm -hmm. walked into my life when I first met her at a Denny's restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, on 51st in Yale. It's not there anymore, but you could look it up if you wanted to. Uh -huh. uh, but anyway, now, wasn't, we... uh, wasn't Brian from Barnabas, uh, part of uh, the introduction of crystal. Yeah. How did that work exactly? Cause I know that Brian knew Gino, our drummer, and mm -hmm. somehow they talked about this one girl who should audition for the band. Do you remember how that oh. worked? Chris? And then, and then Gino had a roommate that I was working with, uh, mm -hmm. Gino's Gino's roommate said you told told him you know where i was and um and then gino mentioned you know uh that i should audition uh for the band <clears throat> and so i he connected me with kent and um and i auditioned my audition lasted three months hmm. uh, because see. initially <laughs> guys wanted a guy uh they were looking at having a male vocalist uh -huh. and so um to be fair i you know they continued to audition to see if there was a, a guy out there and i guess there wasn't so here i am yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no guys to hit the high notes <laughs> yeah. right well once yeah. you get used to uh yeah. having somebody who can hit those notes then yeah. all of a sudden everybody else seems mm -hmm. lethargic that's right, right. <laughs> So, so who who's on the first album? Who's all? Are you all on the first album, or was that um, the original lineup? Well, Mary Pinkley is on the first album as okay. the lead vocalist, but yeah. Mike and I um, and Gino, mm -hmm. our, our drummer, and then Doug Cordell were all a part of that first album. We also had a keyboardist named Freddie Andrade who played keys on mm -hmm. on the first album, and he left the band shortly after the first album. Okay. So. Now I've lost my long lost my original album vinyl of the album from Toonsmith, so I don't know how to compare it to the remix. I I've heard the remix many times. We played a lot, and it's really good. I just don't remember what was. Um, so you remixed it later years later. What's the story around that? Why did you decide to change things up? Well, that that I guess that's my in my pocket. Well, yeah, go for I, I kind of spearheaded that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, there were some uh, shortcuts made just because it was so expensive to record. Right. That um, and um, you know every time that we would bring up um, uh, concerns about how it sounded, we were told, "Oh, wait till it's mastered and put on vinyl. You're gonna well, love it." When you hear it well, in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till you hear it in the car. Well, you know all those things, all those lies that 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 studios yeah. and 
uh, producers tell you. Yeah. And we were novices. We didn't know any better. No. So when the album came out and we didn't sound like Def Leppard, I was no. crushed. You wanted to know what did you didn't yeah. fix it in the mix. Yeah, we didn't. Yep. That's exactly the line that was told to me. Right. And, we'll fix it and in the mix. Yeah. Somewhere during the process of recording too, I yeah. do remember when Doug would, would go out and he would, we're doing overdubs at this point and Doug plays the best solo of, I mean, he was just, mm-hmm. he's on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see any, there, there's some great pictures out there, and so I, I think some of these we lost. But Doug would would be bouncing around while he's playing, so mm. uh, joyously is the best word for it. Yeah. That he'd be up on his toes, <laughs> and he's looking like he's falling over. You know, yeah. when you you take the still picture. Well, so he's out there in the in the studio, rips off this guitar solo, and he comes in and he's beaming, and he mm-hmm. says, "What do you think?" And mm-hmm. we're all just going, "Wow, that's cool!" Yeah. But the engineer says, "Well, I wouldn't know a good guitar solo if it reached out and bit me in the glee." Yeah, yeah. And and it just took all the energy out of the room. <clears throat> wow. And we just, I just said, "I'm one of these days. I'm going to have my own studio, and yeah. that will never happen." <clears throat> yeah. And, and that was it. Basically, we yeah. wanted to. Um, kind of bring the energy back so the mm. the remix has a little more edgier guitars a little more well we don't have the flute player okay. and we don't have the saxophone that was on the original album because yeah. they were added as a production thing okay trying to make us more uh, marketable <laughs> ccm but, but, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but when you think about it a, a rock band in the <clears throat> Christian arena no. is not marketable anyway, so no. you might as well just get past that and move on. <laughs> Go for what you want. Yeah, yeah, be be real. As Crystal said earlier, be yourself yeah. because everything else is fake. Yeah. I'm curious what studio that was. Was it? I know Toonsmith was here in Vancouver, but it wasn't uh, Little Mountain Sound, mm-hmm. was it? No. It was not. It was actually Bingham Ranch, okay. which was one of Leon Russell's old studios ah. back in the 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just south of Tulsa. And that's where, that's where we recorded at uh, all of the primary tracks. Most of the mixing was done at a studio called Long Branch, mm-hmm. which, was, which was in Tulsa. And uh, that was a different, a different engineer that helped us with that. But by yeah. then, everything had already been laid down. And Mike wasn't kidding. You know, the, the <laughs> amount of money even it took to lay down, and we're, we're talking about a studio board. I believe it was just a 24 track, wasn't it, Mike? That we laid Actually, down originally. Was no, it 16. 16. Wow. Yeah, it was two inch 16 track. Wow. 16 track onto a two inch, and just even for that 16 track, we had to lay down a five. I believe it was a five thousand dollar down payment and start using studio time against that. Yeah. And we were um, we were broke, you know. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was just. Like every other Christian band of our time, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're living on ramen noodles, and every yeah. now and then we'd splurge and and uh, <laughs> yeah. and get a dollar eighty nine um, Chinese food. You yeah. Know, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man. But a shout out to uh, Goldie's Patio Grill in oh, Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma, because every time we'd get four or five dollars together, we'd go to eat at Goldie's. There you go. So that powered us. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Uh, what did happen with Toonsmith? They, did, did they mishandle the album, or did they suddenly... Um, what what happened? There was some stories around that, including what happened with the uh, second album you tried to get together. Yeah, it, we we were we marketed... After we were finished, we actually had a completed project yeah. mm-hmm. at the beginning. So everything is mixed down. It's on tape. And we started distributing it as much as we could and chasing it up with, with different AR development people at the various uh at the various labels um 
you know, and looking particularly at labels such as Toonsmith, because at the time Toonsmith had Barnabas, they had yep. Servant yep. and a number of other rock bands. Uh, Toonsmith is actually a, a label underneath the underneath the umbrella of what was known as Praise Industries. They right. were out of Burnaby, yeah. DC. Yeah. And uh, they they showed great interest in the album. And uh, so me and Doug, the other guitar player, we flew down to Dallas to meet up with their with their executives who were down for, I believe it was a CCM convention down in Dallas mm -hmm. uh, in the summer of 1982. And they said they wanted to sign us. And we talked about the product and they were, they were said, you know, your, your product is just what we're looking for. It's a very different sound because Mary Pinkley had a very soulful style as opposed to a typical, say maybe a gray slick kind of yeah. a, or, a, or a Benatar type of sound, much mm -hmm. more straightforward. Mary was much more stylish, almost a Uretha, uh, I'm sorry, a, yeah. uh, an Aretha type of, uh, uh, of voice over rock and roll, which you just didn't hear at the time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they wanted to sign us and we, we had an agreement. Uh, it was a, basically a three album agreement, but our first album was finished. And part of the agreement is that we have to agree to buy the first 1000 uh, units of product. Mm. whether it's cassettes or, or albums so we so we have to buy each each album for x number of dollars so i forget how much that actual amount was. <laughs> so we're bleeding money again so we <laughs> figure each album cost us at the time like <clears throat> 550 we're, we're paying like 5500 bucks for for a hundred or for a thousand product of the first product wow uh, but that's the way they had to be able to get it going and then you know they they would they would market it to every christian bookstore at the time and to some secular record stores and then they would also market it internationally yeah um but over the course of time um uh, the the album came out and sales were somewhat lukewarm and and uh, this the, it actually was released in october of 1982 mm -hmm. um by the time that we had gotten to may of 1983 we were actually going through a a, a change within the band where mary had decided to move on and so we had a new vocalist within a year after that first album came out. Mm. Uh, but that didn't stop us from writing new music with right. our new vocalist. And so by the time that we got to the spring of 1984, we had basically a, a collection of 10 to 12 songs that we were ready to take into Toonsmith and say, okay, we're ready for our studio time. When can we book, book a session? Mm -hmm. And by then they were, well, uh, album sales aren't quite where we want them to be yet. We want to wait a little bit. And oh. so things got held off a little bit and postponed. And a few more months went by. And then we found out that, oh, we're actually closing the doors of Praise Industries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so there's not going to be a second project. As a matter of fact, the entire contract is null and void because hmm. the company that signed for it is not going to be in existence anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so here we are with the. Uh, a large amount of anthem product on our hands so mm -hmm. we immediately went about and at the time there was no such thing as the internet right so we started uh, advertising in like uh in in Chapuza, uh, jesus people usa yep. and in ccm and taking out uh various little little advertisements about anthem the rock band mm -hmm. and the album cutting through and we would we would sell the sell things via the mail where people yeah. would call in we had a, a, a phone line they just had to leave their name address and then we would contact them they'd send us a check uh, we didn't take mm. any credit cards at the time i'm not mm. sure how we would have done that back in 1983 yeah but uh so with that, we'd throw in an Anthem t-shirt and make mm -hmm. it a, a package deal for them. And we yeah. were able to liquidate a tremendous amount of our product just yeah. through 
mail uh, phone sales like mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. uh, get get some money flowing um, and to get ready for a, for a second album project. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was no Kickstarters back then. That might have been, you know, a uh, way to do it. So <clears throat> you sat on this album for how long? You, you it Basically, nothing happened with it. You had the, what, the, the uh, recording done? Uh, what Where did you record it? And at what point did you uh, realize that you had to wait a while? Well, this, the second project, that's the, the project, I think we're talking about the, the second album now. Yes, yeah. Uh, is all of those all of those songs we we didn't have uh, any official quote studio time per okay. se yeah what we ended up doing is using a Tascam four track Porta studio mm-hmm. which was a, a neat way to use a cassette tape right and to basically work with four tracks and so bounce bounce and bounce right bounce yeah what you did by the time you were done your yep. bass and drum track was probably already on its third generation by <laughs> yeah. the time you started your mix down it yeah. was it was sounding pretty nasty that's oh, for sure Oh yeah but we were able to put a good number of these songs down yeah uh, on on demo and then be able to send those out to the various record companies still sent and we took pictures and we were putting together bio sheets and different things about Anthem and, um, and, and with these demos, sending them out to try to see if we could find another label that would help to uh, get us into the studio and then to distribute on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And we were not able to get any, any, any folks really interested of us at the time. And of course, being in Tulsa, which is not exactly known for being a music hotbed, mm-hmm. uh, we had to kind of come to the idea of, do we, do we go ahead now and relocate to somewhere where people can actually see us, hear us, experience what our band is about? Um, and by the time we got to mid-1985, we came to those crossroads and decided, no, we're not going to go any further. We'll just we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of close it down for now. And that box of demo tapes ended up with Mike Manthai. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they got put into cold storage yeah. for decades. Mm. Yeah, hence the uh, the the new cover uh, graphic is essentially what what it looked like on the day that I was transferring these old cassettes oh, over to digital, so yeah, that they yeah. they didn't fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting the transfers done, and I said, "Hey guys, this this sounds like it's still really fun to listen to these. Maybe, uh-huh. maybe we should finish this album. Yeah. What do you think?" Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you do to it, Mike? What it, did you add? more to it or was it- oh yes oh yeah no, no, essentially almost nothing of the original recordings was uh was really usable again so they're so, all bed tracks for whatever you added then yep yeah. essentially i did the conversion we did time correction first just mm-hmm. to uh you know because in those days um we we were basically sloppy uh, early 20s yeah. <laughs> you know musicians yeah who um you know we felt like playing to a click track or playing to a metronome was going to be um, um mm-hmm. insulting to our creative input <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know that was yeah. all that stuff yeah. but after I, uh, I i made the songs kind of follow a follow a metronome and i went hey this sounds pretty good and mm-hmm. so yeah basically I, I started off with um creating a real simple uh, drum groove and mm-hmm. and uh, put some guitar parts down them and then I started sharing them with the rest of the band and and started getting some traction with interest so that was 
that was the fun part because yeah. then we were working together again and yeah. it was long distance but still i would send something to kent and crystal and doug and yeah. and say what do you think and and i'd be getting these i would usually get a quick email from kent but then two hours later i'd get a phone call from crystal and she'd yeah. say oh i love this song can we do this song again uh -huh. and you know and it would be it's you know it's long distance and the 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 conversations that used to take 20 seconds when we're all together practicing would now take three days, yeah. but it was the same conversations. Yeah. And I realized how much I missed working with these guys. And yeah. um, so it had to happen. It just yeah. had to happen just for our own, the joy of working together again yeah. was it. That's great. So did you uh do some more recording vocal recording or did you work with what you had did you send it back like you say you sent it back and forth and add things to it then yeah we had well, crystal did all the really hard work yeah, okay so here's yeah. here's the real the real answer is that it took me uh like four days of woodshedding to just loosen my old 63 year old uh -huh. fingers into yeah. playing these songs yeah and i was always playing stuff you know, that was at the edge of my ability when I was 22. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm young and single and trying yeah, to impress somebody. That's right. Um, and so I'm <laughs> sitting there cussing myself out thinking, well, you know, what, what, what were you trying to do? Yeah. But then the cool part that would happen was as soon as I would remember how I played a, a certain part and yeah. my muscle memory would come back, mm -hmm. I would get these flashbacks of all these other uh, memories about being with the band and yeah. things that I'd long since forgotten. And yeah. who knew that muscle memory was also a memory trigger for sure. But the real, the real kudos go to crystal who, mm -hmm. you know, we were, we were recording vocals with a PZM taped on a bathroom door kind mm -hmm. of stupid stuff. Cause we didn't have any money. We're, we're broke, you know, mm -hmm. a radio shack microphone into a cassette player yeah. is not the right way to record vocals. So, no. So we made Crystal actually sing the entire album again wow. in, um, yeah. let's see, was it in June or July we had you guys come down? Yes. Well, that was July of of two of 2020, but okay. you, you're forgetting the pilgrimage to Duval, Washington that you had to make oh. um, in order to come up. And we laid down a bunch of, of background <laughs> tracks. We worked on some of the musical parts. Ideas. Yep. And we, that's, when, that's when I got Kent's uh, keyboard parts done. Yeah, we were able to do that just in-house here, and uh, and that was in May of 2019. And then, of course, when, when COVID came along, it pushed yeah. back our, our plans a little bit, but we were able to, uh, I don't want to use the word sneak, but it was kind of like we snuck down to uh, Colorado <laughs> Springs. To, to yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'll use the word snuck. And say, Nobody's going to know. Uh, we, we made our way down to Colorado Springs, and, and Crystal got to, got to lay down 11 songs. Yeah. Um, during a week's time and you know jeff we're thinking about this this may be one of the few rock albums that you hear these days that actually have somebody's grandmother singing all lead on all the tracks really um, yeah you don't, get that. you don't get that every day no you know? and and she 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 knocked it out of the park too yeah. so that's just rocked it man yeah. that's just we're all sitting back here just totally impressed and, and the other piece of it that that she's not going to actually admit to is how hard it is for someone who's lived her life at near sea level who comes up to Colorado right. at 6,500 feet and yeah. then tries to, it took her two days just to be able to breathe. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Did. I bet it, it really Yes. Did. Yeah. 
All I've asked. No, what was your what was your secret, Chris? I, there, there was some kind of a, 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 a tea that you would drink oh. too that would coat your throat. Am I allowed to say what I did? No, no. that I mean, <laughs> no, not, not in mixed company. Sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Well, I, I I did create a little concoction because uh, you know it was it was hard to breathe, and then when you're you're trying to well when the pressure's on, then what ends up happening is your muscles will constrict a bit, mm-hmm. and um, so I I thought okay if if I'm gonna do this and do it right, I need to relax these these muscles big time. I need to be able to relax them and breathe. Um, and so, uh, being a vocalist, you, you don't want to sing from your throat. I, I, I know better than that. I don't do that. Um, you want to use it when you need to for, you know, effect or for emotional expression, but it needs to be available. Mm -hmm. And if you trash it, then you don't have it. Yeah. So what I did is I, I first of all, stayed really hydrated, mm-hmm. um, but also I made a tea. And uh, I, it was it was made from throat coat to keep my my throat nice and, and uh, lubed. And, and then I, it was regular tea, and then I added just a little bit of gray goose. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> We call. I called it. I gotta goose my tea. Um, there was no drunkenness involved. No, just, no, so no. if there's any question, there was none of that. No, we watched her very carefully. It was. It was used uh, medicinally for. Yeah. Uh, for me to be able to um, basically relax and breathe. Yeah. Um, and so it worked. It was. It was fantastic. So um, that really helped me a lot. And. Uh, um, so I, I, I cannot tell a lie. Yeah. <laughs> Even I, though Kent likes picking on her for being the grandma who's singing rock and roll, <laughs> all of us are grandparents. I'm That's a grandpa. Right. He's a yeah. grandpa. We're, you know, the yeah. ke- the keyboard player, the bass player, and yeah. the guitar player and, and drummer are all yeah. grandfathers. Grandpa. So, right. you know, That's right. you got a bunch of old coots here playing yeah. rock and roll That's and right. reliving our youth. Yeah. yeah. And an old grandma coot here. Grandma with her yeah, and an old coot here playing it on the radio. So there you go. <laughs> good. Right. We're all in, we're in good company. We're now, in good we? company. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to ask you? So, is there anything still in the vault that you haven't uh, like? This album's come out. We'll talk about it in a second. Is there anything else you're working on as well uh, that you're planning to, or is that uh, a little bits off yet? I would say it's just a little bits off. I've actually yeah. talked to Chris about it a few times because there yeah. are a number of other songs that that over the years her and i have, have put together yeah. that we'd like to bring back to anthem that brings up one song that's that's on the project yeah. that uh, we actually had written after we had left anthem within a couple of years and i had told chris at the time when we had written it the song is called mr talk and i told mm-hmm. him you know this, this is this is a song i would really like to hear what anthem would have done with this and so when mike was up here in 2019 i said how would you like to put on a project, uh, put on a song that that you really didn't uh, know about back in the '80s that Crystal and I wrote? And so, with the help of uh, basically a drum click track and mm-hmm. piano chords, and Crystal singing the lead just to those two instruments, we handed it over to Mike. He took it back to uh, to his laboratory in Colorado Springs, and started putting what I thought would be the anthem sound to it, and yeah. that is 
that is multiple guitar parts um, working together and then uh, and then a bass riff line um, and be and through all of that he was able to grab the spirit of that song that I really had been able to foresee back in 1987 when we wrote the song that mm -hmm. this song would have worked well with the anthem band yeah I'm, I'm really glad that it got to be a part of this project that's great you've got some long uh, progressive songs on the album um, let's talk about a couple other ones and uh, number third track on this album is called uh, soldiers uh, who wants to talk about that one Ooh, Crystal, maybe. That's, there you go. I like her story about Crystal. <laughs> Let's hear it. Or about soldiers. <laughs> Which one? Well, I mean, you're. it's the discussion of, well, I mean, it is a parallel between the Christian walk and the, and, and um, I would call regular military battles, and mm. because we are fighting a foe That's right. that wants us dead. Yeah. And, um, and then... And then as we were working on the song, you were talking about how many people have, you know, um, we've lost to just depression and yeah. PTSD and, yeah. And, yeah. and losing their Christian faith because they can't handle those pressures. Yeah. Kent was the original vocalist on, he, he doesn't normally do vocals, but he was the original vocalist on that song. Mm -hmm. And when he said, well, Chris, I want you to do it. As I, I, I'm a vocalist who will dissect a song and figure out where where it's where it's coming from, and then where am I coming from in the context of this song? Yeah. And so as I did that, all I could see was, um, you know, all the people that I've served in ministry with and walked alongside who have literally completely fallen off i mean they were taken out hmm. spiritually and some died some have turned their backs on god the story isn't over until it's over yeah. with those people but the battle is real mm -hmm. and i think sometimes it you know people oftentimes will think that the enemy shows up in a in a red suit with horns and a, <laughs> and a pitchfork and saying things that, you know, yeah. you can obviously rebuke. Yeah. But then there's that, there's the reality. And the reality is it's, it's way more sneaky and, and, and destructive um, than, than we give credit. I, I don't want to say give credit to the no. devil, but no, no. God is the one that um, the battle is won, you know, a, as a whole. But uh, I think, if, if a person can come out the other side and see what God did with it and how we really do come out victors, but understanding that the battle is real. And um, that's that's one of those things. And and I think, too, whether you believe it's real or not isn't even the, the deal. Because it is, and you'll find out whether you believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that a lot of people just thought, you know, I'm a part of this this club i'm in a christian community i'm you know married to a christian person and you know i'm just going to live this pollyanna life because you know i go to church on sunday and i read my bible and i go to bible study and you know my kids go to christian school and then the next thing you know my child not me this does not happen to my children but yeah. i'm just saying this yeah. is a story yeah next thing you know your child is <clears throat> suicidal or yeah they're on drugs or your husband's cheating mm -hmm. or you find yourself cheating 
or you've fallen into drug addiction or, you know, this, this occasional sip turned into alcoholism. Mm. And um, it's like, where's God in all this? Not understanding that you're, you're in a battle yeah, and yeah. you can fight this, yeah. but it's not supposed to happen to you if mm. you're a Christian. So <laughs> I'm leaving this group and then they uh-huh. leave. You know, I don't yeah. want any part of that. God wasn't around when I needed him. That is is what I saw. Yeah. And um, so soldiers, it, it's almost like the blinders get put on. And these people that were praying for you, then all of a sudden they're in a they're in a pickle and they don't understand. Well, I was praying for that person. Why am I being hit? Yeah. Well, because the battle is real mm-hmm. and we are soldiers. Yeah. And um, you can you can run. But um, the battle continues on. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in in a lot of ways, Mr. Talk is uh, the same sort of a thing. Uh Um, Right. You know, there was a temptation while I was doing production work to, you know, at the end, while you were talking, uh, when the lyrics say, um, I don't hear you, you can't hurt me. You know, you're Mm -hmm. a liar. I I first wanted to make it kind of like, you know, there's a voice on one shoulder and a voice on the other shoulder and they're talking. It's like the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, just like the cartoons, yeah. but but then there's a temptation to make those two voices sound totally different. And then mm-hmm. it struck me one day while I was talking with Kent, and I said, you know what? The thing is, you can't tell the difference no. between those two voices. They no. sound the same. They both they both sound right, and That's you right. have to know something. You know, you have to be grounded in the word to to be able to tell the difference between the lie and the truth. Yes, that and, uh, Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, another song you have uh, got on the list here, Daydreamin'. Uh, tell us about that. We all do it. <laughs> yeah, we all do it. Yeah, yeah I think it's a, maybe it's important to bring up at this point that, you know, a lot of the songs of this, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but mm-hmm. uh, they were all going to be part of a, a concept album. So right. the first part yeah. of the album was, um, you know, a, a, a lot of these songs like uh, She Wants It Right and Is yes. It Worth the Fight and Daydream yeah. and sort of kind of sets the stage. Yeah. There was also a song called Joey Can Rock that never made it to it. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, that's a whole nother story. We'll but, watch for that one someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but it was part of the part of the story. Yeah. And uh, the, the story here was just uh, it's essentially my background of growing up on a farm and understanding life and death uh, at a level that most city kids don't understand. Right. And um, so there was uh, clear distinctions between right and wrong and, and consequences and all that. And then I moved to a, what I considered to be a big city and I saw sin not only accepted, but celebrated as you know, you you can see it now. It's still, you know, people are parading of yeah. with their sin. And um, they're, they're not only saying it's accepted, but they're demanding that you accept it. Exactly. Um, so that was just, it was one of those things that was really hard for me to deal with. Um, and especially like the line that says the, the photograph is all that's left of home. Um, I couldn't go back to any of my previous uh, residences and find the physical buildings because either they would have burned down or they were covered up by a freeway on ramp or something of that nature. So I felt disconnected with that, um, that life of, uh, of logical, you know, logic makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, and I, 
so that's where that kind of came from. And I thought a lot of people would relate to that because whether your childhood home burns to the ground or is covered up by a freeway or, or whatever, don't we all miss our childhood and we want to go back? Yeah. Yep. Masters of Destiny is another tune on here. Yeah, a little little tongue in cheek. <laughs> yes, it's a long song, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting thing, uh, Jeff. In this song, we wrote the song back in 1985. Yeah, and it was originally uh, an idea that that Doug Cordell brought in to the band. And in in talking about it, you know, when you're when you're a believer, um, you're believing that God is actually directing your path. Yeah. And that he is the ultimate master of your destiny. Mm -hmm. And yet God also gives us that opportunity that while he is directing our path, he expects us to take each and every step. Thank you for saying that. So that that. every step, if we're standing still, we're not walking the path that God has ahead of us. But God doesn't guarantee to show us the entire path. He lights our path as we are walking. Mm -hmm. But we are the ones that are required to take those steps. Yeah. And and it's up to us not only to make those steps, but also, God, what is going to glorify you the most in doing this? Mm-hmm. And he gives us gifts and he gives us passions. He brings people along our path that can help to direct us in, uh, in, in pursuing our gifts. Um, but if our overall motivation is to, is to glorify him in whatever we're doing, we're basically taking ourselves from being the masters of our own destiny and allowing him to be the ultimate master of our destiny. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. He's actually offering a partnership where he's the senior partner, but we are the willing partners That's that right. follow his Amen. leadership. Yeah. As, as many times as we've talked about that song, that yeah. was the most succinct uh, version mm-hmm. of, of that explanation I've ever heard. So That's great. Nicely done. Very well. He must have had a great breakfast this morning. Well That's done. what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the last song I want to talk about it's it's uh I guess an epic I guess because it's uh it's a pr- it's progressive. It's got lots of uh, changes in it, and it's a uh, longer song. It's one I would probably play, uh, and might hear on a Friday night jam. Uh, heard about a man. So what? Which man are we talking about here? <laughs> well, we're talking. Ultimately, if you listen all the way to the end of the song, you're obviously hearing about that we are talking specifically about Jesus Jesus himself. Amen. Um, And and the thing about this song is it starts off of a man's journey, and and his friend is basically singing to him about, about how this man obviously went his own way. He wanted to go find out what the world had to offer. Mm Mm-hmm. And during the course of going his own way, he's realizing, I'm not sure I have a purpose to my life. I, I don't, I'm experiencing all that the world has to offer, and yet there is that, that, that God-shaped hole inside yeah. of my heart that yeah. I have yet to fulfill. Yeah. And this song ultimately uh, brings, in, in musical form, brings to a climax that that feeling of chaos within his life of I can't fill that hole myself and so the song musically takes you down the path that that we refer to 
um, as the runaway train portion mm-hmm. of the song. Yeah. That that and the train though <clears throat> ultimately ultimately stops right at the feet of Jesus Himself, mm-hmm. where where the the climax of the song is. I heard about a man who rose from the dead. Yeah. Um, what what a great story on which I believe the entire history of humanity is hinged upon. We yeah. just celebrated Easter. Yes. And, and what hope is there for humankind beyond what Jesus did Amen. by by his death and then ultimately his resurrection? Yeah. Um, what other hope for mankind really is there? And, yeah. you know, and as I grew up at being, you know, one of those, you know, tough guys, too, where, where when you... When you say the line, you know, heard about a man who rose from the dead sounds like a pretty bad dude to me. Mm. That that's essentially the the prayer of, of just about every guy who's still in denial. Yeah. You know, um, when you asked earlier how we all came to know the Lord, that was kind of my story. Yeah. That I was just getting off a long, you know, two week long party. Yeah. And I got invited to go to breakfast and they mm-hmm. didn't tell me that it was a full gospel businessman's <laughs> breakfast. So <laughs> And so there's this yeah. man ta- uh, up on the, in the front talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and of course at that point I'm still power hungry and um mm-hmm. you know <laughs> still, yeah. still ch- planning on changing the world and Yeah. And uh, so that was what got my attention. So what are the plans? How how can people get a hold of this album? What form is it um, right now, and uh, what are the plans for it? Well, right now it's on uh, um, like the top whatever ten or twelve streaming platforms. So whether you're okay. Spotify, yep. I, I I'm not. I didn't get any confirmation yet that iTunes was still working. They were a little bit behind, but yeah, they'll get should it. be on. They'll it's on it. Amazon Music. You can. Uh, let's see, Pandora. Pandora. It's even okay. on uh, YouTube if you have nothing else. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, and we uh, haven't, we mm-hmm. didn't go to vinyl or CD. And I was thinking about. <clears throat> I think we're going to try a little poll on the uh, on the site and just see yeah. how many people are interested because there you go. Um, I don't want to end up with a garage full of no, you don't. Cause... No, no. So you want to t- basically take pre-orders is what you want yeah. to do. So, where they look up Anthem, the rock band, is that actually the full name of the band now? Because there's a few anthems out there, as I found out looking things up. Yeah, it's getting to be kind there's of a, popular, there's a heavy isn't metal it? Metal band out there. Uh... There's, of course, the marching band from some high school. <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> right. so I guess it's a you know it's a, a well-known name. So, are you officially Anthem, the rock band? Yes, that's our official name. Although, if okay. you just type in Anthem, yeah. uh, time capsule. I That's, tested that on a couple of uh, right. streaming sites, and that worked. So, yeah. so al- just the look album's for the called, cassette. Yeah, the album's <laughs> called Time Capsule, right? Yep. Okay, good. And uh, so there you go. What um, What do you want to know? What are your plans now? So we're we're all in the middle of this crazy pandemic, and apart from sneaking around, uh, what are your plans eventually? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like visiting each other. I can't come down to the States, so at least you guys can cross state and go see somebody. Um, do you plan to do anything online as far as concerts go? Is that physically possible? Is it technically possible? Is there plans for that? Or eventually will you get back together and do some live gigs anywhere? Um, that, that would, I can answer that one. My yeah. My physical limitation is that I can't stand up for longer than okay. about... Yeah, 15 or 20 minutes. So Yeah, my bass player has to sit down now, so 
<laughs> yeah, I yeah. had a joke with a buddy of mine. We thought maybe we'd put together a band called the Couch Potatoes and we'd just sit on Barca loungers or something. But uh, my my inner my yeah. inner musician won't let me perform like that. So right, I, right. we have no plans for doing live. This was no. a um, what's the best way to call this? It's kind of like it's it's a bucket list essentially. Yes. Um, I, yeah. I would also say that we we have a, a Facebook page yes um, under Anthem Anthem Rock Band right which uh, it's a it's a group page but that will also direct you to our Anthem website Perfect. for this project so yeah. it's like you can actually have an album cover right. that has pictures and lyrics and backgrounds of the songs and different stories uh, it also has an inspirational section of techno of the technical side of mm -hmm. how we were able to harvest tracks off of the old off the old cassette tapes right and bring them to life so that they're on this project mm -hmm. uh, and then thoughts about overall jeff why in the world would we do this yeah <laughs> and really and we were able to summarize what it is that drove us about that and honestly there is a deep friendship yes that was begun back in the early 80s that still had the kind of dynamic creativity and love behind it mm -hmm. that would bring four people back together to take old songs that they loved and were never able to publish and bring them uh, to reality and share them with the world after almost Wonderful. almost four yeah. decades. Yes. And uh, that's got a lot that says a lot about just friendship and yes. love and uh, and and really it makes me appreciate our creator that much more um, that he would give us relationships like that to enjoy in our lives. Amen. Well, and also um, that being said, you know, being artists mm -hmm. and having music that refuses to stay, um, you know, under, under a rock for any like, well, even if it has been four decades, <laughs> I think we, we know now that, um, hey, you know, where this came from, there's more. So yes. uh, don't be surprised if if we don't, you know, come out with a, a couple of singles or yeah. uh, well, who knows what's going to happen. Well, oh, looking, does that sound like a teaser? I'm oh, looking, dear. I'm looking at but your studio true, there, though. Mike, I and mean, I, it <laughs> it's not there for nothing. The music's right? still there, you yeah, know, yeah. and uh uh, yeah, the other the other part too is just the the you know get it off the plate. Um, yeah. We all have regrets about things we did and didn't yeah. do, and and uh, then we also discovered that a lot of the things we were talking about the 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 lyrical ideas are timeless, much yes. like our God is timeless, Amen. and the human condition is essentially the same. So yes. yep. we're discovering that. The reasons why we originally wrote the songs are still here. Why right. not? Uh, mm -hmm. Why not do some songs, including, you know, like uh, "Make Believe," which was originally a song about um, high school cliques and, right. and college. You know, your friends at college. Maybe they're really your friends if they're only looking for a ride uh, to yeah. school on a rainy day. Right. And we thought, oh, well, we got to do is change about four lines of the song, and it mm -hmm. can be about getting addicted to social media that's and right yeah. um so yeah it's uh it's like i think kent wrote in the uh um in the production notes uh the human condition hasn't changed a whole lot you know yeah. <laughs> when we 
you read the Bible and you <clears throat> think about what happened back in those days, and yeah. and you see, you think, oh, we we are the same sheep That's that right. we were back then. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, we're bad. <laughs> we're bad. Okay, and so, that pun has yeah. been brought to you by. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jeff Cooper right here on Classic Christian Rock Radio. So do you have any advice to other artists? You've been through a lot. You've uh, seen it. You've done it. Um, there's always new bands, and we're in such a different day. I mean, uh, bands getting together now, it's quite different. Music industry is different. I wouldn't want to yep. be in it doing it, <laughs> trying to get going at this time and age. Uh, any advice for those people out there? My primary advice would be find people that shares that share the same motivation as you have. Yeah. Because if you're trying to put music down with people that have different motives than your own, chances are if you achieve any success, it would be very short lived and could mm -hmm. be incredibly costly. Yeah. So if you can find people that are like minded that want to that want to make music for either the love of the music itself or if you want to make money at it somehow and that's what you're committed to mm -hmm. and it's all about how to make money on music great find three or four other people that want to do exactly that right but if you cannot find like-minded people to work with um chances are your 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 venture is going to be uh rather fruitless yes because you will end up with ashes of relationships because nobody is able to work from the same page and yeah. so that's one of the biggest things put together a mission statement that right. everybody signs on to of what does success look like yeah and go after it with all your heart good advice yeah yep. especially for and, a christian band of course i mean there's it another level there of uh, the same beliefs same uh purpose in your music as well Right, Mike, yep. you were gonna say? Your, your whole group has to have kind of a, um, uh, a, a common statement. You yes. know, if somebody who's going to watch you live, they should walk away with that feeling of, boy, this is, you know, they filled me with hope. You know, I exactly. got the same feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a good analogy, I'll, I'll use him anyway. Eddie Van Halen, everybody said he was always smiling. You could always see this big smile on his face. He enjoyed his music. He enjoyed to play. Um, I've always liked a band that looks like they're having fun and enjoying, especially a Christian band. The joy, joy of the Lord is there. You can tell. You can always tell if they're going through the motions. And you can tell if they really, really believe what they're singing. And uh, they, they're the ones that last the longest. So. Yep. Anyway. And we developed friendships that are exactly. that are still really strong. We, exactly. we couldn't stay apart for more than a couple of years, and we'd have to get together again. And That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, the band I'm in, we haven't played in about a year. Um, people ask how long we've been together. Well, 25 years. Really? 25 years? How? That's just because we're all friends. You know? Yeah. yeah. We, we, met, we met at the same place. We kind of had the same interests and got together and uh, became a band, had the same kind of musical tastes and... Uh, and had fun doing it, and uh, one day we'll be back at it, but <laughs> you have to be friends. I've been in groups where people didn't get along, and you know what that's like, so. Yep. Well, and sure. the things like this, too. I, you know, yeah. I was able to build, I, I, I sort of went overboard with the home studio idea, but still. I love it. The, the thing about <laughs> now is that you can, you can just with a piece of software that just doesn't cost much, you yeah. can create your own music. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the the whole idea of that you have to have a record deal you know and in, in our case the record deal didn't turn out to be any great thing it just gave yeah. us hope and it made me go to work for a couple of weeks telling him that I was about ready to give him my two weeks notice Yeah, because uh, we'd signed a record deal. And yeah. I'd like to thank my, my boss, Frank, for not firing me on the spot. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't quit your day uh, job, right? Yeah. yeah, right. And and oh, and it was absolutely, and then and then it turned into good-natured ribbing for the rest of the couple of years that I worked there. And so yeah. that was, you know, I had to eat a lot of crow, humble pie, whatever <laughs> yep. you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Um. But right now, I mean, the fun part of this one was it, we, we would keep reminding ourselves of it, you mm -hmm. know, because Krista would say, hey, I want to change these lyrics because, you know, they always sounded kind of awkward to me. And I, I I'd, if I sang this, I could I can own it more. And I'd say, man, just do it. Yeah. You know, we we don't That's have great. a label waiting for this project. No. We don't have a time crunch. We don't have a budget. We don't have you know what I mean? Yes. It was. It's good let's to just, have that flexibility. Yep. Right. And yep. give let's each just other do it. the rope to do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, that was kind of the dream, you know, when Wonderful. you're a young musician, you're dreaming about the day when mm -hmm. you don't have to eat ramen noodles in order right. to get a recording. No done. more mac and cheese. Yeah, no more mac. <laughs> well, actually, I still love mac and cheese. <laughs> That's another story. I still story. do. I still do. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but the deal was, you know, what what greater gift for for me was to get all of my old bandmates back together and yeah. say, look, the pressure's off this time. Why don't we just mm -hmm. have fun? Yeah. And then that became our mission statement that Kent was talking about, that it was yeah. all about um, recultivating this friendship we had mm -hmm. and the joy of working together. And, and that's why I had to go up to Seattle and spend some days. And then they had to come to Colorado Springs and spend some days. It was like, yeah. uh, we just, we just can't wait. So yeah, that's terrific. Yeah, like like Crystal said, don't be surprised if something else comes out. But we don't have any plans right now. Yeah. It's just that when she said that, I thought, okay, well, there you you, go. <laughs> you let the cat out of the bag. Now there apparently we got to start writing. <laughs> yep, we'll be looking. Okay. <laughs> well, folks, this has been absolutely wonderful. <clears throat> You've been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you today, and and uh, just a terrific story. Um, We've been speaking with the members of Anthem today, folks, on Time Machine. Hope you've enjoyed it. Any final words from anybody uh, before we say goodbye? Don't all speak at once. <laughs> throw it, throw Thankfully, this gets edited later, and we yeah, can take out those awkward oh, silences. This awkward silence, that's okay. <laughs> Jeff, just one thing. Yeah. One day when we all see each other in glory and... We won't even think of words like COVID or right. pain or Amen. sorrow, yeah. but he will wipe every tear from our eyes and we will we'll be able to be friends together forever. Praise God. Amen. That's, a, that's Amen. I'll leave it with that. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, this has been Time Machine, everybody. Thank you for listening.